But in the series that I'm talking about, we're talking about priorities in life. They're important. The things that you prioritize in life are the things you're going to get done. If you don't prioritize things, then they kind of slip through the cracks and they don't get done. God has long-term goals for, your, for our lives. And we need to, to adjust our priorities to God's long-term goals so we accomplish the things that he wants us to accomplish. So this summer we've looked at two priorities already. The first priority was loving God. Loving God is our first priority in life, loving and worshiping him. He is to be number one in our life. We should have no other gods before him. Secondly, we talked about loving God's word. God's word is God's revelation of himself to us. I mean, sometimes we forget how important the Bible is, God's word, what a treasure it is. You see, the creator of the universe, the one who created the galaxies, created this planet, who created us, has revealed the truth to us by inspiring men to write down these words of truth in a book that we can read. It's incredible. We've been talking about how we love God's word. That's a priority in life. Today we're going to look at a third priority, the priority of loving God's people, the people of God. Now when I talk about God's people, there's a sense that everybody on this planet is a child of God because God created them. But when I'm talking today about God's people, I'm talking about believers, those who have committed their lives to Jesus Christ. Now many of the principles we'll talk about today do apply to our interaction with people who are not believers, but we're going to focus on talking about God's people. Now in the Old Testament, the people of God were, were the nation of Israel. They were Jews. They were the people that God had called out to himself. But even there in the Old Testament, God opened the door for people of other nationalities to become a part of Israel, to become part of worshipers of God. But it was not till the New Testament came and Jesus Christ came that God's people are now the church. And it is it is an open community for all who believe in Jesus Christ, whether they're Jew or Gentile, from every race, nation, and tribe. And so the church is to be an all-inclusive community. It's not to be segregated. It's not to be divided. It's those who believe in Jesus Christ, those who proclaim Jesus as their Lord and Savior, irrespective of their race, nationality, or appearance or language. The church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. We read about it in Acts chapter 2, verse 5. And today my message is entitled, Loving All of God's People. Now, in the middle of your bulletin is a white page. It's got the verses written out. I encourage you to pull it out so you can follow along there. It has the outline as well. On the back are some study questions. And we... Uh, the Chesterfield Life Group will be meeting tonight. There are directions to it in your bulletin, and also there's maps on the table there. It will be meeting at 6 p.m. at our home, just about five minutes from here. And if you have children that go to youth, you can drop them off here and then come over to the Life Group study. And when we're done, you can go back, pick your, pick your kids up. Acts 2.5. So now that we're staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And we see, I'm not going to read it, a long list of all the nations that were represented at the day of Pentecost. In fact, in verse 11, it says that these God-fearing Jews included other nationalities who had converted to Judaism. So people of every nation were there on the day of Pentecost. And the point is that the churches 
is made up of people from every kind of background that unites us. We're united together by our common faith in Jesus Christ. And we see this, this pattern throughout Scripture. In the very last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, it gives us a picture of the church, the body of Christ in heaven. Look at Revelation 7, verse 9. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And so each of those people were believers. They were believers in Jesus Christ. They were worshiping the Lamb who is Jesus Christ. They were a completely diverse group. Every nation, every tribe, every people, every language. I mean, that's everybody. It's not just a certain group of people, not just a certain color of people but every kind of people. There's no discrimination in the church. Everyone is to be treated equally. And I believe that local churches, life church included, are to be pictures of the kingdom of God. We are to reach out to people of every, what? Nation, tribe, people, and language. You see, the city of St. Louis doesn't just have people from one nation and one tribe, people and language, do we? We have people here from everywhere. And I believe our church should reach out and welcome people from every race, every tribe, every nationality uh, that is around us in every age. We'll talk about that as well. And so God's people are called to be the body of Christ in the Bible. God's word uses the picture of the body with all these different parts to explain that each believer in the church then, as we come together in a church family, each individual believer has a part or a function to play, a ministry to, to, uh, to fulfill. 1 Corinthians 12 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church God has appointed, and it goes on to list the ministries that God has appointed in the church. And each ministry that each of us has is different, it's distinct, but all are required for the proper functioning of the church. And so we need diversity in the church in order for God to accomplish his purpose through us. And guess what? When you have diversity in a church, people are different. Everybody isn't just like you. Of course, there's a big difference between men and women. If you're married, you understand that. There's a big difference between people of different ages. There's a difference between people that have grown up in a different uh, culture. There's differences between people who have grown up in a different country. And we have all of those represented here at Life Church. But we must learn to love and work with those people who are different from us because the differences are a good thing. If everybody was just like you, what would the world be like? <laughs> okay, I'll leave you to answer that question. Okay? But it is better that we're all different. God intended each of us to be different. If you come to a church or a, some type of organization where everybody looks exactly the same, they're exactly the same age, they wear exactly the same clothes, their hair is combed exactly the same, Get out. Okay? Something really wrong with that place. Because that's not what God intended. And there are places like that. 
Okay, let's not name names, okay? So just leave it, leave it vague. Kentucky is where we broke down in, okay? Maybe there's something there, I don't know, but I'm sorry, there's probably people from Kentucky here. Kentucky is a wonderful state. And uh, we met some wonderful people there, very kind people who helped us. But God wants us uh, to learn to work with people who are different than us, people who have different ministries than us. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So I'd like us to watch a video. This is about different ministries in the church. Each of us has a different ministry. It's called the body. It's talking about the body of Christ. Uh, the Apostle Paul in the book of Corinthians talks about in the body of Christ, some of you might be a hand. Somebody else might be a foot. Somebody else might be an eye. Somebody else might be an ear. Not literally, but it's illustrating the part that we have different roles to play. We have different giftings from God. So let's watch this video called The Body. So the body of Christ is made up of many different parts. You are a part. I am a part. We're all parts. Some parts are more visible than others. But both the visible and the Invisible or less visible parts are required for the body, for the church to function the way that God wants it to. So today we're going to talk about how God wants us to, to love all of God's people without exception. We're going to be looking at a passage from the Old Testament from Numbers chapter 12. Might not have read this one lately, but I think it's going to explain to us, give us some principles, how we can better learn to love all of God's people, especially those who are different from us in one way or another. The first point is we are to love all of God's people of different races. Our story begins in Numbers 12, verse 1. It says, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Now, let's give a little background to this. Who was Miriam? Miriam was Moses' older sister. Remember when Moses was put in a basket in the river? Who was the one who watched the basket? It was Miriam. It was his sister. And she was an older sister. She was the one who watched over that basket and eventually brought Moses back to his mother for a while before he went uh, to the palace. Aaron was Moses' older brother. They were both older than Moses. They were his brother and his sister. Both Aaron and Miriam have been used by God in the past. And yet here we see a disagreement breaking out among them. And Moses had married a Cushite wife. Now that was a woman from a different country, from the land of Cush. And from what we know about Cush, this woman most likely had darker skin as opposed to the lighter skin of Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Now Miriam's name is mentioned first because as we'll see, she was the one who instigated this criticism of Moses and his wife. Where did this discrimination come from? Well, discrimination is always rooted in pride. I'm better than you. My country, my race, my whatever you identify with is better than yours. And so we discriminate against somebody else. Miriam and Aaron were discriminating against Moses' choice of wife. They went on in verse 2 of Numbers 12 and said, Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they ask? Hasn't he also spoken through us? 
And the Lord heard this. The Lord hears what we say. He knows what we think. He knows the attitude of our hearts. And so Miriam and Aaron were comparing themselves to Moses and they, they thought they were just as important as he was to the Lord. Apparently they disliked the nationality and or the skin color of Moses' wife because it was different than theirs. They thought that their nation, the nation of Israel, and their skin color was superior to all others and so they did not approve of Moses' wife. And not only did they not approve of his wife, they wanted to speak for the Lord, just as Moses did. Now Moses was leading the entire nation of Israel. God had appointed him to that position, but Aaron and Miriam wanted to get in on it. Now you remember that when Moses spoke to Pharaoh in Egypt, telling Pharaoh to let his people go, he actually gave the words to Aaron to speak. Because he couldn't speak well, or so he said. And so Aaron had spoken the words directly to Pharaoh, but Moses had heard the words from God. And now Aaron thought perhaps he should be the one, uh, he should be the one speaking for God rather than Moses. And so we see pride at work. First of all, in this discrimination of Miriam and Aaron against Moses' wife. A person from another nation, a person most likely with a different skin color. We also see pride at work in this rebellious attitude regarding Moses' leadership. They wanted to, they didn't see why Moses should be the leader of the nation of Israel. They wanted to raise themselves up to Moses' level of leadership. They were actually accusing Moses of acting in pride of ruling over them without just cause. But God's word makes it clear that God doesn't use prideful people. God uses humble people. We see a parenthetical verse here in verse 3. It says, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Now there's quite an argument about who wrote this verse. <laughs> Because the five, first five books were penned by Moses, so the Bible tells us. So most likely people think uh, if Moses was indeed the most humble man on the earth, uh, he wouldn't have penned those words. So we think that Joshua put those in just to make things clear that Moses was very humble. He obeyed God. He wasn't perfect. No person is perfect except Jesus Christ. But he was a humble man even though Aaron and Miriam were portraying him as being prideful. They thought he was so full of pride and wanted to rule over everybody, he was keeping them from their having their proper place of influence. But Moses was a humble man, and he led the nation of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage and slavery in Egypt, to the very edge of the Promised Land. He led them for 40 years in the desert, uh, taking them to the place that God wanted them to take. Now Moses had chosen a wife to marry, and we know that her name was Zipporah in Exodus, and God was in it. And it was certainly not the place of Aaron and Miriam to criticize or question his choice of a wife. It was not their place to question his leadership of Israel. And as verse 2 gives us a hint, God heard what they said. 
And do you think God was pleased with it? God was not pleased with it. And so things are not going to go well, as we'll see for Miriam and Aaron, because he knew what was in their hearts. And so this episode that we're talking about is, is really a negative example. In the Bible, you have positive examples. These are people you're supposed to follow. And then there's negative examples. People whose behavior or attitudes or words or things we're not supposed to follow. And usually it's pretty clear. What is positive, God blesses. And what is negative, God judges. So this is a negative example of not loving all races or all nationalities of God's people or, or exalting your background, uh, your skin color, whatever it is, over other people. Now, what does it mean for us today here at Life Church? I believe that God wants our church to love all races, all nationalities of people. Part of the vision I believe that God has for Life Church is to be a church of diversity, of a church of diversity. Of course, that word has some unpleasant connotations today, but I'm talking about diversity of race, diversity of nationality, diversity of skin color. Every person is a person that God loves. It's a person that God wants to function together with people who are different than them to bring glory and praise to Him. We do have people from a number of different nationalities with us currently. We pray for even more in the future. We want to be a church that demonstrates God's love for all kinds of people. Now, when you have people of different races, different nationalities, different backgrounds, they're different. We already talked about this. They, they don't think alike. They don't talk alike. We don't act alike. But that's okay. We can learn from one another. And we, can, we each have our different circles of people that we know that we can reach out to and bring into the body of Christ and expand God's kingdom here. I might add that not only does God want us to be diverse in race and nationality, but also in age. The church in the New Testament, it's clear, was composed of people of all ages. Young, middle-aged, and older. All ages of people, all worshiping together, learning from one another. Unfortunately, oftentimes in America, you see things very segregated. All one kind of people, all one age of people. Unfortunately, this is true in the church. The church on a whole across America is a very segregated institution. And God wants it to be diverse. The ideal church is not a church of one race. It's not a church of one age segment. It's a church that encompasses people from every aspect of life. So let's continue to seek God to help us to be humble to learn to work together and love all kinds of God's people. The second thing we want to learn today is to love all God's people with different ministries. Now first has to do with nationality, what, where we came from, our culture, the way we look. This has to do with our giftings. Two people may look exactly the same, come from the same background, but they have completely different giftings, completely different ministries that God has given them. Our story continues in verse 4. It said, At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. Now, if I was Aaron or Miriam, I would be shaking in my boots right now. Uh, but they came, so the three of them came out. 
Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When both of them step forward and will go on. So we've already hinted that Aaron and Miriam were not just upset with the race of Moses' wife. They were also upset with his leadership ministry from the Lord. The Lord heard their comments. The Lord knew what was in their hearts. And so he called them to meet with him. The pillar of cloud came down. A pillar of cloud was back then God. His presence was in this pillar of cloud and he stood at the, the entrance. That was where Moses, this tent where Moses met with the Lord and conversed with him. But now the Lord was coming down not for a, what should I say, a little conversation past the time or to give something positive. He was coming down in judgment. They had not recognized, Aaron and Miriam had not recognized that it is God who appoints people to different ministries. And so the Lord says to them, listen to my words. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses. And so the Lord reveals that he speaks to different people in different ways. People have different ministries. Not every person used by God is used in the same ministry. The Lord said here that he normally, his normal mode of revelation to a prophet was through visions and dreams. Those are indirect modes of revelation. They're, God reveals himself to prophets in visions and dreams. But it's an indirect way. Miriam is, is uh, noted in the scriptures being a prophetess. God spoke to her. God spoke to Aaron as he conveyed the words of the Lord from Moses. But Moses had a different ministry in which God spoke to him face to face. It was an unusual ministry. Moses actually saw the form of the Lord. In other words, God had chosen Moses to give a higher revelation to, and he had a larger responsibility of leading the whole nation of Israel. Miriam and Aaron should have recognized God's appointment. They should have recognized that Moses was different. And maybe part of the problem was he was their baby brother, you see. And it's a little hard sometimes for people to recognize one of their siblings, especially a younger one, is being used by God in what seemed to be a greater capacity than they. But they had spoken foolishly. They had pridefully discriminated against their younger brother, against Moses. And so God judges discrimination in, in its different forms. It says, The anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them, which is Miriam, uh, he left all of them, when the cloud lifted from above the tent, there stood Miriam, leprous like snow. Aaron turned to, toward her and saw that she had leprosy. And so the judgment came down on Miriam. Why Miriam? Well, she was the one uh, we see who initiated the complaint, who initiated, uh, who objected to the wife that Moses had married. She had started everything. And I think it's ironic that Miriam was 
was concerned with apparently the skin color of, of Moses' wife. And now her skin color had been turned completely white. <laughs> I mean, nobody's white. You know, people say I'm white. I'm not white. I mean, this page is white. Okay? So she had been turned completely white with leprosy. And so discrimination and speaking against God's appointed ministries is a, is a serious mistake. And Aaron saw the seriousness of what was going on and what could he do? He appealed to Moses, the one they were criticizing. And Moses, help us. My sister has been struck with this awful disease. But the good thing is that God forgives those who repent. And so Aaron said to Moses, please, my Lord, do not hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh eaten half away. So Miriam was not a pretty picture. This was pretty bad. I mean, she probably was going to die if nothing happened. Her flesh was totally white and being eaten away and disgusting. And so Moses cried out to the Lord, Oh God, please heal her. And so here he's calling out to and so Moses now is crying out to the Lord on behalf of his sister who had just been criticizing him. And so Aaron was admitting that he and Miriam had sinned. They'd done something very foolish. And he repented. Now it's not clear at this point Miriam could even speak. I mean, we don't hear. Maybe she couldn't even talk at this point uh, because she was, had a serious illness, a serious judgment upon her body. And I think it speaks to the character of Moses that he immediately appeals to the Lord to heal his sister. Rather than say, hey, yeah, you got what you deserved. That wasn't Moses at all. He said, God, heal her. I mean, yeah, she did what was wrong, but hey, she's my sister. Please bring healing to her. The Lord heard his prayer. He healed her within seven days. She had to go outside the camp because according to the Old Testament law, she was unclean. Uh, she had sinned. She's outside the camp. It says in verse 15, Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days. The people did not move on until she was brought back. So everybody had to wait there until Miriam was healed. She was brought back into the camp and they continued on their journey. And guess what? Aaron and Miriam never criticized Moses again. They'd learned their lesson. Respecting and loving the God-appointed ministry of their brother Moses. So how can we apply this lesson that Aaron and Miriam learned to our lives, to our church? Now, as we began the message, we said that God, God appoints or gifts people in his church with different ministries. God has given a ministry to every person who's a believer that they are to use in the context of the church, in the context of the body of Christ, each contributing to the growth and the ministry of the church as a whole. In fact, many people, God has given multiple ministries. We do different things. We do multiple things. It's not just one little thing. We do multiple things, and it all works together. But God wants each person to fulfill their ministry. Some people have more visible uh, leadership ministries or things that are done perhaps on Sunday mornings in the front. But this wouldn't happen if there wasn't a whole host of other people doing all kinds of things, not even on Sundays, during the week, behind the scenes, uh, that are equally important. 
that may be more hidden. And so we must be careful not to speak out against those that God has appointed to leadership positions as Aaron and Miriam spoke out against Moses. We also must be careful not to speak out against those whose ministries aren't so visible, those who, who might be doing something in the background, think, oh, that's, that's, not really, that's not really something that's important. Everything is important. And as we do the ministries that God has given to us, God blesses our lives and God blesses the church family, the body of Christ as well. And so God wants each member of his family in the church to be involved in ministry. If you've not yet found your place, ask God to direct you. Begin talking to people. Look for a place to serve. It's a good thing to come and learn on Sunday mornings. But God also wants you to serve in different capacities so that the church can grow and reach more and more people. It's as we work together, as we love one another, even those who are different than us, that the blessing of God can increase in our midst. And so today we've learned from a negative example of what Miriam and Aaron did, how not to treat God's people who are different from us. God wants unity within his family. He wants unity within his church. And that comes as we, as we make an effort, as we make a commitment, as we choose to love other believers who are different from us. As a church, let's pray that God would help us to be an example of a church that loves all races, all nationalities, and all ages of people, treating each and every one with respect, honoring each and every person because each person has been created in the image of God. You see, we're all related. Adam and Eve are the father and mother of all mankind. We're all related. We didn't evolve separately, as some may teach, you see. The Bible teaches we all came from one mother, one father. We're one blood. We're all human beings created in the image of God. And so as a church, God wants to build this church as a diverse example of his kingdom. He doesn't want us to be just one age segment. He doesn't want us to just be one skin color. He doesn't want us to be just one nationality or background. He wants us to be, to reflect his diversity in who we are. As a church, God wants us to grow in unity with respect to each other's ministry. Not looking down on someone or being jealous of somebody else. And as each of us learns to grow and function in our ministry, even though they're different, we can work together and see God do wonderful things in our lives and through our church. Demonstrating God's unconditional love for each and every one of us and sharing his love with more and more people. Now today I'd like to give you an opportunity to Respond to Jesus Christ. He is the one who died on the cross that each and every person might be saved. He didn't just die for the people in the Middle East where he lived and grew. He didn't just die for the Jews. He was a Jew. He died for everybody. He died for the people in America, the people in Africa, the people in Asia, uh, people across the world. If you're not sure that you know this Jesus this morning, 
I'm going to give you an example. Uh, giving you, going to give you an opportunity to commit your life to Him as your Lord and Savior. To do that, you admit that you've sinned, that you've done wrong things. Perhaps you've harbored pride or discrimination in your hearts towards another person. But you believe that Jesus died to forgive that sin. You turn away from it and ask him to come into your life. You commit your life to living for him by his word all your days. So let's bow our heads right now. I'm going to pray a simple prayer of commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've never prayed this prayer before or you'd like to recommit your life to him this morning, I encourage you to do so. Say, Father, this morning I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I haven't always had a, a loving attitude in my heart towards people different than myself. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for every person, every human being on the face of this planet. And I ask him to come into my life and to forgive my sins. I commit myself to following him and following his word all the days of my life. And for those of us who are already believers, let's ask God to speak to us as well and to help us to grow as a church in his principles and his purposes. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that every part of it applies to our lives today, even passages we might not have read or saw what the application was before. We thank you for what you've taught us this morning about loving all of God's people. We pray that this church would be a church of open arms for people of all races, all nationalities, and all ages. God, may we be humble when we relate to others who are different than us and not think that different is inferior. Thank you that you'd appointed each of us to have different ministries in the church, God. We pray that we'd not be jealous of others with different ministries or, or speak against those who have a ministry different than ours, but be united as we work together for you. We pray, God, that you'd help those who are not yet serving in a ministry in the church to find their place of ministry, to contribute to the growth of the church so that we can reach more and more people for Jesus Christ. We pray, God, in a world in which it's this group fighting against this group and this race against this race and this nation against this nation, that we can be an example of the unity that's found only through Jesus Christ. Help us to grow as a church, in loving all of God's people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.